Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, hostess with the mostest, matcha snob, and unapologetically bad at small talk. Seriously, tell me about your childhood. And I'm Joan Carnachon, queen of messy conversations, skincare junkie, and highly allergic to bullshit. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where together we will navigate the vital conversations that lift shame and shift paradigms. Our deepest desire is to normalize rewriting the narratives women have been taught about pleasure, money, power, sexual expression, and self-sovereignty. So join us each week for unfiltered, raw dialogue that educates, empowers, and hopefully entertains, or at the very least, makes the hard topics feel a little safer. And oh, by the way, when we say women, we are speaking to humans who identify with the divine feminine nature, non-binary royalty, our sacred sluts, the matriarch in the rising, and those of us who are still trying to figure their shit out. You guys know I love a good disclaimer, so here goes. We are not to be mistaken for doctors, lawyers, clinically trained psychologists, therapists, or your mother. But we are someone's mom. If you True. think this state is going well, subscribe to our show. And community means everything to us, so make sure to tell a friend or like all of your friends. say about this conversation. I'm getting lazy with intros because I feel like so much goes into the conversation that I'm like, just let them get to the conversation. Right. Like I don't have anything super like clever or quippy to, <laughs> to add on to the beginning of this situation. I do think it's pretty, we made a couple of baller moves. I do think it's pretty cool that we started it out by talking about how you didn't want to be her friend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be her friend. I was just, I was just interviewing to make you were sure. Very suspect. You were highly suspect of her motives. Oh my God. You guys will have to listen as to why that we'll is. You'll have to listen to the actual, you'll have to listen I, to the I, actual story. There was but, a, <laughs> nope. Don't even just stop. Just stop. I feel like I need to plug this in. Cause I didn't get a chance. It, I felt like it had already gone on too long. And I was like, all right, we're done talking about this. Let's talk about something else. When was the moment, and they'll be able to plug this in as they're listening. When was the moment you decided that she was actually, she being Anne Nguyen, our amazing guest today. When did you decide that Anne Nguyen was worthy of your friendship? When did you decide she was a safe person to be friends with? Because- you know, I think when it, when it was, was probably roughly about the time when, um, people were starting to know about me, Chris and John and the polyamorous mm. like setup. Okay. It was just a time in my life where it was like super guarded. So yeah, it was, it was roughly then. And I think too, I was starting to slowly find my way organically in the sexual wellness space. Like I never thought I'd be coaching on that. And when, um, Anne and I first met, I just was like, maybe going into that realm. Like I could feel that that was going to be the gateway opening. And so I still wasn't really sure about, you know, myself. So yeah, roughly about 2019 when I was like, fuck it. Like people know about me fucking two guys. Cool. Great. All right. Might as well be friends with this ray of sunshine. Who's been beaming on me for a while now. <laughs> 
Might as well have some sex coaches on my team, you know? Absolutely. Speaking of sex coaches, that is what our incredible guest, Anne Nguyen, that is her profession. She is a sexual, a women's sexual empowerment coach. And I think this is the first time that we've had another sex coach on to chat with us. Is that true? We had, we had Morgan. Oh, that's true. Well, yeah, but yeah, Morgan is not, she is not a specifically a sex coach. She has, she has past training in sex and relationship coaching, but she is very much, I don't think she wants to be defined just as a sex coach. She's got a lot mm-hmm. of other things going on. She's like teaching wealth now and embodiment and feminine wholeness mm-hmm. and like a lot of other things. She's not quite as, um, she's evolved. She, well, I she's expanded. That because we're not, we're not, not evolved. It's just, we all love sex so much that we want that to be our like lifelong love. Whereas mm. she is dabbling in a lot of other loves, which is cool. Anywho. Yeah. yeah. She's like Polly, but only Polly. She is, yeah. Place. She's Polly and her, <laughs> but we're not talking about Morgan. We're talking about Anne. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. And we're so excited. We were so excited to have her. It was another first time meeting for me, but she just, she just, it clicked, it clicked in. I think she's an incredible person. I can already tell just by what she shared on the podcast, she gave so much value and shared so much wisdom and her presence was incredibly embodied. And that's one of the reasons why I love for all of you, a little background. We're typically on like behind the scenes we're on zoom. And so we can all see each other on a screen, but we're not in person. And it always really stands out to me about a person when I feel that they are super embodied, like really grounded in their body and really, really present with us. And Anne absolutely was. And I think that you can hear that in our conversation. And she just, I love hearing her story and the unique pieces that have come together, you know, to bring her to what she's doing today. I think that's always amazing. And I think she brought some insight and different perspective to things that Joe and I talk about often that just really resonated and I think will be really supportive for you guys. So I don't want to, I don't want to overdo the introduction, but I just, I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. I think it's going to be a really good one. (laughs) Enjoy guys. That was all. (laughs) I'm going to add, you're going to add. Enjoy. Okay. Enjoy. Well, Anne, welcome to Nothing Confidential. <laughs> you have really kicked this off at, in a way that I don't think anyone else has flashed us before the interview yet. No, I don't think that has happened. Great tits. We've we seen have great tits, but no. We could do like a top it. five of tits that have been on the show, but this is the first like flash we've gotten, which I was so excited. Applause. There was applause. <laughs> Sorry that this is not a visual medium, you guys. This is just taking you back to the day of storytelling. You're gonna have to use your imagination. There are 10 out of 10. <laughs> well thank you for receiving them anytime they get an invite they like to play so (laughs) well as this has been the last couple conversations we've had and I I love this this is the beauty of having a co-host is that for the first season it was my responsibility to seek out high vibe women to have these conversations with and to do all of that legwork and now that I have a magical work wife co-host who is also bringing her relationships into the house which feels so incredible we've had a string of powerhouses that Joe 
brought into my life and into the lives of our listeners. So Joe, since Anne is your original contact, would you please do us the honor of formally introducing her to everyone? Yeah. Anne is incredible, just a human in general. She is my bougie bruja out here on the West coast when Kristen isn't available for things. <laughs> and she comes with me to do witchy ass rituals on the beach. Actually, Anne is the one who came out with me when I did my funeral for my um, ex-husband's ex-wife happened to be me. Uh, and so she held that beautiful ritual space for me. And we have known each other for maybe about like three-ish years now, would you say, Anne, give or take? And Anne is an incredible women's sexual empowerment coach. She centers her work around pleasure. She talks about so many things centered and just like pleasure being a liberatory practice and fuel for personal empowerment. And funny enough, when we, me and Anne first met, I remember she hit me up on the gram. She hit me up on Instagram. And at first she was like, I want to meet. And I was like, cool, we'll totally meet. And we had series of like missed events. I think we were supposed to meet at La Femme Fort, like a boudoir shoot, but I don't think we were on the same day. Right. And so maybe it was like a year or so later after that shoot, she, she and I finally found a way to connect and she showed up in this cute yellow, like fluffy top. And the first time I, I met Anne, I was at a place in my life where I was super guarded. I had just been exploring non-monogamy with my ex-husband. And I was very much so in this place of going inward and not wanting to meet outside people, like outside of my circle. And so here's Anne wanting to meet me. We're both entering into the sexual empowerment space. And I'm like, who is this woman? What does she want? How much of my life do I have to be guarded by? Because is she going to judge me for fucking two guys at the same time? <laughs> and I just was like, I mean, that meeting was, I felt so bad because looking back now is like, fuck, I was like totally interviewing this woman, like trying to figure out what she was like trying to be all about. And when me and Anne finally had this conversation on the beach, she straight up looked at me and was like, I just wanted to be your friend. And I was like, I just needed friends at the time. Fuck me for being so guarded. But yeah, I am deeply, deeply excited to bring my bougie bruja, Anne Owen, sister from another mister, uh, here on the show to just have this lovely conversation to talk about pleasure sex, all the things. I mean, it's all the things that we talk about anyways. All the things. So oh. for the, for the record, we have now three sex coaches in the house. <laughs> Lots of erotic energy. Lots of erotic energy in here. <laughs> and I, I love that story because Joe and I were just, we recorded our one year for anniversary episode, which is coming out soon around just our, our meeting and our path to here and our relationship. And towards the end of it, we were just like encouraging the community because these cosmic, deeply intertwined divine friendships, they can feel really hard to come by, especially in adulthood. It feels harder to get to that level of intimacy, um, specifically because of the guards and the history and all of the wounding, I think that you're talking about. And so we were just encouraging them that, you know, sometimes people come into your, to your life at a weird time. And it's not always like, we don't always know what those people are going to mean to us when we meet them. And it's not always love at first sight. So I actually kind of love that your relationship didn't start out with like stars in the eyes. It started out with like an activation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, 
I mean, and now I like absolutely love this woman, you know, and it's not that I didn't love her then. It was just, I was just so guarded. And so many times, like we just do that as women, we just put our guards up, but yeah. And thank you for being here. Thank you for being my friend. <laughs> yeah, of course. And yeah, I love that story too, because where I was, and I think that people in the community might relate to this and Kristen, you named it. I was on a huge growth journey. I was starting to express myself more. I was doing my training to be a sexual empowerment coach. And at that time, I felt really alone or sort of not as connected in this specific part of me with my group of girlfriends that I have. And at the same time, I've always, I think it's because I'm an only child. And instead of being like hyper, like by myself, I've been very like outreaching in my life. So I actually have a really beautiful blueprint of really strong um, female relationships throughout my entire life. And I have found that that quality of mine, it's this innocence that can like put people off because they don't expect that because of our conditioning um, as, you know, as people who've been socialized as women towards each other. And I do remember being like, wait, I just want to be your friend. <laughs> and the end of our meeting, Joe looked at me and she's like, so what can I do for you? Oh, God. And what... <laughs> And like, what would you like me or something like that? And I was like, I was like, oh my God, is this how things go now? I <laughs> like the whole meeting. Joe's like, so what is the ask? Like, what are you? Yeah. What you yeah. Like, I want pure unadulterated friendship. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think I understood that at the time she was someone who had a platform. I was, you know, super understanding that she probably did have a lot of conversations like that. Um, and I just, I think I told you this on the beach too. I was like, and I just know when I'm supposed to be friends with people. So I wasn't even really that thrown off. I was like, oh, weird. But then I was like, doo, 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 I'm still going to flirt with you and seduce <laughs> you. And we're going to be friends. <laughs> or at least seduce me with her witchy ass powers. <laughs> so I think that's just such a great tale of yeah like community maybe sometimes seduction and um, and vulnerability there's mm. there's a lot of vulnerability and courage required in asking for the thing that you want especially I and I can so relate to being in that stage where you're looking around and you are up leveling and evolving and you know that you have to evolve your tribe as well and feeling like, and not sure where to start and to identify someone who embodied or appeared to be on the path that embodied things that you wanted for yourself and to just go after her and be like we're going to be friends like that requires a lot of courage and intentionality and I think that's beautiful Beautiful. And I love what you said about how we don't do that because of how we have been conditioned to socialize as women, which is again, like very patriarchy steeped. Some of the worst offenders and upholders of the patriarchy are women because it's that women on a woman on woman violence, because we feel that our quote unquote, like our promise of safety for playing by the rules is being threatened by women who aren't playing by the rules. And so it's something that's very unconscious, but we will see that competition come out and that judgment and that like, who do you think you are? Because in that moment when we're feeling activated, we haven't achieved maybe that level of freedom or vulnerability and we don't know what's going on and we feel threatened. We feel like our position is being threatened. And so that typically leads to 
acting out in ways that we're not proud of. So I think that's awesome. Like, I, I think that's amazing that you did that. That makes me respect you even more. <laughs> I remember too, like that time I, I was like having, I was just wrapping up lunch with Chris and nobody knew really about the polyamory yet. And so here's this person I'm meeting for the very first time. Here's my second partner sitting at the other table. And I'm like, shit, I better not slip up whatsoever because of fear of all the things that you just mentioned too. And so it was just, I remember that meeting. I will never forget that meeting that first day. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, so now that we know the origin story of how you guys met, which is a pretty epic one, I would love for my own fortification and also for those wondering, because everyone's wondering now, they're like, who is this fierce Anne woman who has flashed her tits and also has no qualms about going after high vibe friends? What, like, you're in the sex coaching business now, just like Joe and I, and we have both shared our story extensively of how we came to be here, but I don't know yours. So I would love to know what seduced you into the field of sexuality and what really turned you on and lit you up about doing this work? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like everyone in the profession, it comes from my own journey. And, you know, now that I look at it and have a more holistic view of sexuality, of course, I've always been a sexual being, right? Like as a kid, you know, had crushes, was kissing boys, like in the first grade, things like that. Um, and, it was also marked by a lot of the conditioning that comes from society, from culture um, and trauma. So um, I first witnessed like growing up in my household, domestic abuse happening um, that really impacted my formative relationships in high school. So the very first relationship that I ever got in and was sexually active in was extremely emotionally abusive. And so it was sort of like this beautiful, innocent core of my sexuality um, be, as I grew into puberty became that like societal flip of like, now it's for other people. Now it's a way for you to feel worthy. Now it's what you're supposed to do. All of those stories entwined with that relationship um, really made sex a center of difficulty and pain for me. So I didn't enjoy penetration. I never felt like sex was for me. It was always about getting love or, you know, filling some sort of role I was supposed to have as a woman, as like a sexual object. And that was heartbreaking. And that was a way related to my sexuality, probably from when I became sexually active, like, you know, maybe 16 up and all the way until I was like 24, 25, you know, I think people don't put into perspective how long our conditioning is before we go on these journeys. That's a long time. And I eventually got into a relationship that was safe enough where I mattered. And it was the first time I asked myself like, wait, what? Where, where is my pleasure? Like, how can this feel good for me? And there's always something that felt like it was missing. Always something that I was like, there's more to this. And when I saw Joe and I, um, our teacher, Layla Martin, her videos talking about sexuality as sacred, as self-love, as something that you could do for yourself, it just felt like everything in me resonated. It was that like 
someone's verbalizing something you felt for a long time, but you didn't even know existed or like, you know, when you put it into words and it locks in. And I am someone who just goes off of the deep end. I mean, I've always been the friend that people go to. It's been a natural thing for me. And so I joined the year-long sex, love, and relationship coaching and uh, training and just felt the most profound shift of my entire being, my entire body, my voice, my creativity, relationships, work, like every part of my life blossomed. And it was like, I became the me that I always knew that I was deep down inside, but I just couldn't get to like come out and express. And it was like, I couldn't hide it from the world. I was like, if I can go from where I came from and be who I am now, like I know scream this from the rooftops or anyone who will hear me, like I have to make this known. It is imperative for lives, culture, society, that we get this message out. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful to watch you from the sidelines also become the woman that you are today. Because I do remember being in my um, my house, getting a message from me the first time. I remember roughly around that time of year. And witnessing your journey throughout the last like three years has been incredible. And one of the things that really stands out to me, especially as I step into this, like as I step fully into this, into this realm and in, into this coaching is how there's not very many of us, us being Asian American Pacific Islander women who are leading this conversation, who are speaking about this conversation and speaking about topics around sex and sexuality. And I know for me, um, there's a lot of shame around that. Like in the Filipino culture, we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about love. We don't talk about our bodies. And, and I know that a lot of, um, a lot of my history has also been very, very similar to yours, but I'm really curious because, you know, I've had to fight some of my own, I guess, conditioning or work through some of the limiting beliefs or thoughts around perception about what it means to be an Asian American Pacific Islander in this space. The hypersexualization, the um, just the fetishization of Asian American women, and I'm just like really curious because you're obviously ahead of me in this game. Um, what has that journey been like for you, or have you had to work through any of your own, uh, I guess, conditioning or traumas or you know whatever around that 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 topic or that thought? Yeah, I think it definitely came up a lot more in the beginning of my journey. And to be honest, I didn't realize how much it meant for me to be an Asian American woman doing this because I was under the spell of white supremacy for a long time. And I didn't realize how much it would mean for me to step up as a leader. And last June, with everything that was happening in the US, I started to really look at that deeply. It had already been on my radar. I had already had moments where I realized, not even just from a sex coach perspective, but as an entrepreneur, as a leader, that it was different for me somehow. 
um, it, that was like creeping in, but I think it really hit when I started to look at how those systems played out within myself. And I started to see actually how powerful that has been for my audience. You know, I don't share like diversity metrics or whatever, but I did notice and continue to notice that having been in the personal development space for so long, I've often been the only brown person in the room. And now in my spaces, like I have groups that are just for women of color and in my spaces that are mixed, they're still very diverse, like half or more are women of color and a lot of Vietnamese women, a lot of Asian women in particular. Um, and yeah, it's, I think that the, maybe the conditioning that I had to work through was a lot around like family shame and things like that. But I think I've just always been so, so oriented towards this healing is for my lineage. This healing is for my family. This healing is like doing a service to them. And I think that I have the privilege of having a mom who has also walked that fire. I feel like the lineage that I come from is her. She's the first in the family to be divorced, leave an abusive husband. She's very feminist in her ways. Um, maybe not the same, like talking about sex with her makes her uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, she sees what I'm doing and she's like, I won't talk about it, but I can like respect your hustle and I know what you're standing for. Um, and yeah, I think more than anything, it's been about what does it mean for me to be a leader? Then it has necessary, like, all of that fetishism, all that stuff, like, yes, you know, like I experienced it. Um, but I think the bigger journey for me has been like, what does it mean to be an Asian American leader, female leader? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually, I have a question. This is prompting a question for both of you. Um, and that is around, I'm going to try to word it as succinctly as I can, but essentially what, what is the, the balance for you or the journey for you look like where on the one hand you are connecting with claiming, celebrating and upholding your heritage. And then that part of you, that's like, I don't want this to be the defining thing about me. Like, I don't want to be your token woman of color. You know, it's like, where is that challenging for you? Where you're like, I want to be a voice and I want to represent, I want little girls to look at me and see them. Like, I want that, but I also don't want this to be the only reason why people ask me to come on podcasts and why I do, you know, make certain appearances. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, totally unscripted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, yes, it is something that I deal with. And honestly, the bottom line of it that's just moving through me right now is like, I want to be able to share it on my own fucking terms. And I get to like toot my own horn and share about it as much as I freaking want. And if you come to me and that is like the number one reason why you want me to be on anything, like that's a no for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the difference. It's more like I get to do that. My peers get to do that, who are also Asian American women. 
not really anyone else gets to do that for me. Yeah. Like you don't get <laughs> to define me by that, but I get to celebrate myself by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's at least how it feels for me. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, like it's a little bit different in this, in the sense of, and we've had a conversation about this before too, Kristen, like the tokenization that happens on the brand level and on the marketing level is a lot different than when it comes to look at me as my profession. Whereas like in that space, I feel like they look at me still as a um, product to be monetized on their campaign. Mm -hmm. And then to be diversified so that they can see, like seem to be somebody who's like in it and with the whole cultural movement and they're looking at diversity. So, you know, I had to do a, a huge step back in terms of brand partnerships. I actually just finished my last one, um, which totally celebrating and super happy about and like redefining that entire space that of how I'm going to navigate that part of my business. But there is a balance to be played when you're doing that. Um, and I think that gets really challenging sometimes because there are moments where I still get emails from certain brands and I'm like, tell me what it was about my specific work that you fell in love with. What is it, what, where, what post, what thing that I write or what conversation were you a part of that I was a part of that impacted you the most? So like I do my own kind of filtering of Screening, that. Yeah. Like yeah. why my voice? Why my voice? Why my so voice? Yeah. What is it about me? What is it about my story that you want to elevate? And I think that's just one of those things where if I'm going to be represented, like as, as that, if I'm going to be represented to fill that particular box, you better know my story and you better also understand the story that I'm carrying is not just mine. It's my entire lineage. It's my family. It's this culture. And you have to respect that and you have to honor that. So that's, that's how I try to navigate mm -hmm. that. And then in the other spaces, like if it's a podcast that's centered around me being a coach, then I'm like, fuck yeah, you're, you're totally talking about my work. But if you're here using my identity as an identity piece, then you're using my identity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the reason what, what feels like is coming full circle for me is I feel like the reason I felt prompted to ask that is because there are a lot of members in our community now, especially, um, particularly because of Joe who identify as Asian American or AIP. And I think that I want them to know that there, it feels like there's a conversation that started happening, you know, last summer in the wake of everything when Black Lives Matter and all of that, like picked up a lot as it should have, that there were these conversations where even like Black women were calling out other Black women and saying like, it's your responsibility to like show up and carry on some of these narratives and some of these things. And there was pushback where some women were saying like, we don't identify, like that feels disempowering to us and not empowering to us. And so I think I just love hearing you guys speak to your own personal boundaries where you're like, I get to fucking decide. Like I, like, it's not my, it's not something I do because it's my responsibility. Like I am who I am. I get to celebrate this. However the fuck I want, I get to put this out there, use this, like do whatever I need to do. Like, this is me. It's me. It belongs to me, but nobody gets to tell me how I should be using this or how I should be showing up in this way. Or you even using that to shame you for not being more involved in certain conversations or politically. And I just, I feel like that's important for young women of all colors to hear right now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
I'm like, I'm over here. Just like, I'm going to just touch my tits really quick. Touch because... your tits. <laughs> just ground. Like dis- just dis- grounding dis- really quick. Yeah. We've talked Google. a little bit about it. <laughs> we're going to let, we're going to let off of that. Hoo-hoo. But we wanted to acknowledge it. You're both fucking powerhouses. And there's so many young women who are definitely looking up to you. So I'm just grateful. Thank you for addressing that. Uh, that does though, loop me back to a, a question for you. And cause you were talking about your mom and even just how she, you know, like doesn't feel comfortable, obviously, which I mean, for different reasons, different nuances, but similarly, like previous generations do not feel comfortable talking about a lot of the things that our generation is now talking about. And something you center in your work a lot is healing across generations through pleasure and goodness. And I would love to hear you speak to that. Like, what does that mean? And how does that look in your work? Yeah. So, you know, most of us have grown up feeling like, I think, especially if you do come from um, an Asian American background or um, as a person of color in this world from a model of survival, um, that we live just to survive, that we struggle, that we have to work hard, that we have to extract from ourselves in order to get a little sliver or a crumb of joy. And my work is about really not, you know, I don't want to say breaking that paradigm. It's, it feels like taking the baton and passing it to the next runner who we, you know, I'm, I'm speaking of myself as someone who is first generation. I have the privilege of being now in a place where it is safe enough for me to thrive, to feel good, to be a sexually empowered being. And I almost feel like it's a responsibility um, to my lineage to do that. And so there's a lot to the healing that happens within our own systems and our own bodies, right? There's epigenetics, trauma passed down from generation to generation. There's the conditioning that we adopt that then we play out in our relationships and inside of our own bodies. And I'm pretty sure that this is um, indigenous wisdom, but there's the saying of, you know, what you heal in yourself, you heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. And when I first heard about ancestral healing in sexuality, I was like, that's going to be some super advanced thing. I'll get there maybe someday. And it was really incredible. Um, how quickly my healing experiences. So, you know, in the sexual empowerment journey, the part that a lot of sex coaches don't talk about, but I feel like we talk about is that it is a deep healing journey. So I went into my body when I felt into my cells, into my sensations, it was like, I could feel the, the centuries of that pain in my bones, in my body, in my pussy. And it was like, not even a conscious thing. Like I was like, I'm going to heal from my ancestors, but there were times where I'd be crying or raging and I could feel that it was the rage or the grief of my ancestors. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, just, it's a real thing that happens in your body when you give it the space and the honor. And, um, that is so potent and it's so powerful. And, I, this is a big nuance that I teach my clients. It's not about then going up to your mom or your grandma and being like, oh, I'm going to wear my lingerie in front of you. It's about like 
love. It's about maybe healing and realms that they won't be able to experience in their lives or they won't want to. And deeply, deeply accepting that. And I found that it creates such a deep level of like compassion and understanding and maturity in relationship with your ancestors. And I think a lot of people that come from backgrounds like mine and Joe's, that's such a missing part of like the family unit. So it's almost like you're creating that, you know, I think so many of my clients really want to give that to their parents. And I always tell them, it's like, you are living it, you are breathing it, you are embodying it. And I really like what I said about the like passing on the baton, like maybe they won't be able to finish that race with you, but you are doing it and you get to pass that to the next person and the next person, whether that's, you know, through your actual genes or the people around you, your friends, like everything is a ripple effect. And so, yeah, I think it's um, crucial work for our world and for our healing um, and for our families in realms they might not even understand at times. I love how you share just like your own personal like journey into the depths of that and how you express this like you know you're here you are crying you're like I don't even know what I'm, I'm crying about and you know for any of our, our community who's listening like that sometimes if ever you're going through this healing journey and you're like, I don't know where this deep sadness comes from that right there. If you don't have a pinpoint of it, if you don't know what trauma, if you don't know what wound, because it's not part of your own, that in that moment is where you're starting to uncover some of that ancestral healing that needs to happen or the ancestral wounds that are right there. And I know for myself, there have been moments in my journey, even when I'm talking to my therapist, where I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know where this deep kind of like feeling is coming from, but it's fucking deep. And it's in those moments where I realize, oh, it's probably not even my mom's story because that's not part of hers. It might be from my grandmother's. I have no idea. I've never heard stories from her. And so for anyone who's listening, I'm just giving you permission to like hold that in that moment to know that like you're not going crazy if you're on that healing journey. It's not part of you. We're like, holy shit, where's this from? Actually, it's probably from you know, generations before you and generations that you don't know about. So yeah, permission granted to just hold space for that because it's in your body and you have the power to release it through whatever means possible. But since you're talking to us, you're listening to us, we're going to tell you, you can release it through pleasure. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I want to share another story because I think this talks about the flip side of that. So I did a ritual where I like stripped down naked in front of the retreat that I was leading, actually. And it was about ripping off of our layers. And this was during the time where I was really claiming my own identity as a woman of color. And so what I was revealing was that I'm here to serve women of color. I'm here to integrate that part of my identity with my work. And we were doing something where we were calling in an archetype and I called in Bung Wai, which is maternal grandmother in Vietnamese. And I had already done quite a bit of my journey. You know, at this point I'm leading retreats. So I, every time before I went in, I would find that grief, I would find that rage. And we were breathing through our different um, chakras and um, the messages that I was getting was actually like 
what came through my body was a roar of laughter, a roar of joy. And I literally felt my ancestors say to me, don't focus on our pain anymore. Be the legacy of our joy. It was like all the unlaughed laughter, all of the pleasure that they couldn't feel. It was like, they were like, feel it through you, give it to us. And I've even done interviews now about, you know, my queerness. I'm I'm bisexual, probably pansexual. And, you know, even that, like, I know queer people in my lineage who never got to express that side of themselves to really fall in love with a man or woman that they really wanted to be in love with. And so I really feel that now it's not just about like digging in there, whatever, like, yeah, you know, I'll cry and stuff all day, but it's about like, I am living all of the joy that they did not get to because of the time and the society and everything that they were born into. So I want to add that side of it. Mm, Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Like at every in every conversation, there's like a full body chills moment for me. That was, that was my moment. That was it. <laughs> so good. It was so good. Yeah. It reminds me of this. Um, I think that's, it's from Brene Brown and she had, she said something along the lines of like, we get so used to rehearsing for tragedy and sadness mm. that we forget to rehearse for joy and that was something I heard last week, I think. And so this week to hear you say that has just been one of those things of like, yep, all right, we're flipping the fucking script at this point because we have to, we, we really do. And I, and I love that your work is centered around pleasure and goodness. And I mean, I watch you floating around in the river on your IG stories and it's always <laughs> some kind of goodness in nature. <laughs> uh, well, and I feel like you can't, you can't truly connect with or experience goodness until you come home like to your body. And for so many women, they struggle with that. This, this very commercialized, super frequently talked about like hashtag self-love is something that gets talked about all the time, almost to the point, you know, it's like landing on deaf ears now. I think people are like numb to it. And so I would kind of love to wake that conversation back up and talk about the connection between orgasm and self-pleasure and self-love because so many members of our audience, like Joe and I both, and I know you work with women who part of the conditioning, whether it is, you know, um, societal, religious, cultural, et cetera, there's a lot of shame just across the board for women when it comes to self-pleasure still. And I I work with women all the time, like anywhere from 25 to 60 who struggle with feeling shame and feeling just a stigma around self-pleasure. And so I would really just love to hear your thoughts around that, that really imperative connection between self-love and self-pleasure. Yeah. I think the more that I teach it, the more that I realize that it is really about intention and it's really about container. And what's happening is that our sexual power has lived in a container that has been unsafe, that's been shamed, and with the intention to literally destroy it because it is a sense of power. 
So in order to shift into self-love through orgasm, it really is activating your own power of intention and creating your own empowered container. And so all of the practices that I teach start first and foremost with love. Love is all of it. Love is underneath it. Orgasm is an expression of love. Sex is an expression of love, or it can be. And so when you decide that I'm going to touch my body with love, the thing that I always share with my clients and all my programs is making love to yourself, touching yourself like your own best lover. And it doesn't have to be sexual. There, for a lot of people in the beginning of their journey, it can literally be touching your arms. My first self-pleasure practice was just putting lotion on my skin slowly and with presence and with the intention of love. And I just cried. I cried and cried and cried maybe for like a week or two because I realized I had never touched my own body with love. And so... I think that's the resistance piece that happens, right? People are like, oh, I really want to touch my body with love. That sounds great. Then they're afraid of what they feel. Well, the answer to that is also love. You gotta love the part of you that's grieving. So like, and that is real self-love. That's not, I'm putting on a face mask. That is, can you meet every single part of your being with love? And that is the real teaching underneath all of it, right? Especially when you come into sex, it's going to open up all the different facets of you. People think that sex is this one-dimensional thing. It's not. It's all of you. And so when you learn to touch your own self with love, you are giving yourself the opportunity to meet all of your difficulty, to meet that conditioning, to meet that shame, and to actually learn how to wrap it in love. Is it going to feel difficult? Yes. But damn, can you imagine you, you really do that? You stick to that even for like two weeks, how your life will change. So that's like phase one. And the second part is when you get in touch with your erotic energy, when you know yourself Everything that is about self-love and confidence is having a true knowing of yourself, a true, like, I'm rooted in this, I'm grounded in it, I got me. When you're giving yourself the best orgasms of your life, when you realize that you literally can self-generate electricity that goes over and over and over again, that you can bring yourself to, like, the brink of, like, merging with the universe and back, what the hell else do you need? <laughs> you won't everything be chasing that toxic dick no more. <laughs> no, everything else is just a cherry on top. And anyone that gets a taste of you, it's a freaking gift, right? You're welcome. And, and it's not, and I think from the scientific level for anyone who is more scientific, it takes it out of the thinking. It wires it into the nervous system, into the subconscious. When you land something in your body, it becomes a living, breathing truth, something that is unshakable, that people can't take away from you. And that's really that power I think people are really looking for in self-love, but they don't realize that it requires emerging with your physical form because your physical form 
is also your, I mean, your nervous system is like your soul, your memories, your emotions, right? It's all here in this like delicious meat package we're all walking around in. Your sexy meat suit. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. We're both Joe and I are just like nodding our heads. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like so aligned, so on message. We 100% agree. And I love, I love that you just you just packaged that so eloquently. And what you're talking about is something we both talk with our own prospective clients, you know, about often, which is that bridging the connection between the head and then everything from the neck down, because as women, you know, it's, it's been the safest always to exist in our heads. And so I love what you're saying about how looking at self-pleasure, even if it's something that in the past has been really intimidating, but looking at that and non-sexual self-pleasure, looking at that as the way to bring all of the conceptualized, you know, principles of self-love down into your body to actually bridge that gap, to actually embody that, lock that in and, and experience that as somatic experiencing, like to bring it into your body and let it take shape and complete in that way. And that's where the healing really happens. That's what a lot of my work. And I know some of Joe's work too, focusing in, I, I really love somatic trauma resolution. And so that is a principle of somatic trauma resolution right there. And so if you struggle with self-acceptance, with self-love, with body love and acceptance, this is a pathway in, it's not the only one, but this is a really powerful pathway in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just something that you said that I want to touch on is like, it's we perceive or have been raised to think that being in our heads is more safe when actually being in your body is more safe because you're listening to the cues, you know what's really happening deep down inside of you, you're not bypassing, you are living in your truth, which is in your sensations, is in, is in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that you talk about is also self-pleasure as a liberatory practice. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're all self-pleasure queens here, (laughs) but I'd love to hear from you. How do you define that for not only yourself, but for your clients? Yeah. So I think the reason why I say it's a liberatory practice, and I mean, I have to really credit Audre Lorde, Adrienne Marie Brown, um for this is because for us to thrive as people with marginalized identities whether that's you know being a woman a trans woman what you know any on and all the intersections um to simply thrive to be happy (laughs) to feel good um in itself is an act of resistance because that's exactly what they've tried to keep from us so to reclaim your joy to reclaim your pleasure to reclaim your sexuality is a liberatory practice because it is a practice of gaining back your power and that is against all the paradigms that try to keep you from your power um and then in the spiritual sense i mean i am a deep practitioner and believer believer of, you know, Tantra, sacred sexuality, all of that. I mean, any spiritual practice is freedom because it frees you from your illusions, uh, your ego, your perceived limitedness. That is not true. (laughs) 
Hmm. That feels good for me. <laughs> what about you, Joe? How do you feel? <laughs> like, I want to make sure I feel complete. I know it's like you, this is that moment. This is that imperative moment where you either, this is either going to be an hour and 15 minute conversation or it's going to be a two part conversation. So totally open to whichever direction, but if this feels good for this version, we should move on. I mean, this to feels really good. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, I feel really good about this. I'm like, you can I have her just, back for part two. The deal in that one. Yeah. I mean, cause I know that she's, she's evolving and doing some more things. Mm-hmm. So she could definitely talk about that later. But one of the things that we do on our show with, with some of our, with some of our guests that come on is we like to pull some cards from one of our favorite games. We're not really strangers. And so I've got three here. We all answer them too. Um, and so the first one is, Anne, what hurt your younger self that you never fully healed from? And what would you say to your younger self today? Oof, starting with a light one. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm just going to say it because I think it's very something that people don't talk about enough. But I think for years and years and years, maybe only in the past few years of my life, was I able to touch like witnessing domestic abuse as a kid. Um, and I don't ever think that I, as a child, realize what that impact was. And what I would say to my younger self is like, I don't even know, like you are so loved it gets better. Like there's a reason for this. I think that that trauma made me move. It it impacted me in so many ways that because I couldn't make that connection, I felt broken or like there was something wrong with me. And I think I would just tell that kid, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like there's Mm. absolutely nothing wrong with you. And it's possible to heal. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. You, you, you share that story. And for me, um, there is that part of me that hasn't actually fully healed yet. I grew up in a household of domestic violence. And as you were saying that there was a moment I remember, and I will never forget this moment, but it was when I was on the ground, both my brother and my sister were above me and my parents. And I remember just like wanting somebody to help me. I was on the ground being hit by my brother and my sister. And my parents were just like watching as they discipline me in that manner. And, um, I don't think I ever really fully, fully like healed from that. Like there are still parts that are very tender and I get very easily emotionally aroused when there's loud uh, yelling or even just behaviors that feel like lunging towards. And, you know, I think what I would say to my younger self then is that you'll always have your back. Things will be okay. And you will never find yourself in that place ever again. Just trust yourself and, you know, your poison will become your power eventually. You know, I think the, even the framing of this question is so interesting because healing like, is anyone ever fully healed? Like you can mm. heal to a place of like non-activation, but I think that healing is such an ongoing evolutionary process. And so when I look at this, I'm like, well, first of all, like there's definitely a lot of wounding that happened to me as a child that was very potent 
that I would say I've processed and healed exponentially from, and yet I don't think that that healing will ever be finished. So I want to lead with that. (laughs) Then I think, (laughs) you know, there's a couple of, a couple of places I I could choose from, but I, I think one of them, and it's a little vague, but I just, I so often, so many of the most charged disagreements, disputes, quarrels, drama, like that went on between me and authority figures across the board, whether that was a parent or a a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or whatever. I constantly felt that I was being, they were trying to force me into a shape or a box or a category that I just didn't fit into. They had this way of measuring how someone should be. And I wasn't any of those things. And so because of that, I constantly felt that I was being profiled or demonized for just being myself. Like I, you know, was a very, um, I had a deep sense of justice and was like easily uh, infuriated by like any perceived form of injustice whatsoever. I was very outspoken. I was very stubborn. I was very passionate. I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to cut it. I was, I mean, literally my Enneagram, I'm the challenger. So literally I challenged everything and it's something that I've touched on briefly before. It's like, as a mother, I see those qualities in my daughter and they fill me with pride because I know, like, I know how powerful she is. But when I was a child, like in the setting that I was being raised in, I think that those qualities caught, they felt fear. They felt afraid of all of that. And so I just constantly felt like I wasn't seen and like, I was not validated like as myself as a person. And, and that is something that I carried with me for a really, really, really long time. And I just remember having things, you know, twisted where it's like, Oh, you, instead of being, um, you know, outspoken and courageous and bold, I was bossy and I was difficult and I was rebellious and I was um, contentious and I was disrespectful. And I was like, all of these things that didn't ever feel true to me, even though they're saying to me, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you're kind of like, Oh, did I, did I do that? Like, is that, was I being that way? And I would check in and be like, did I do that? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's what I was doing. I think I was doing this and nobody knows that that's what I'm doing. And so just here I am out in the cold. So I think if I could and, and I do, I think via inner child practice. And then also through my own mothering practice. Now I'm able to go back to my younger self and also to my real life, flesh and blood, hot blooded daughter. And just say like, there's, there isn't anything wrong with you. Like you are magnificent and you're a badass. And so Mm. many people need that fire. So like, don't you dare put it out. Mm. I love that. Um, I love that. See, the generational healing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any fun questions, Joe? (laughs) Not see stuff about mental health. I see stuff about boundaries. Maybe you should draw another card. (laughs) We should draw another one. (laughs) Like we need like a more fun card. These ones are all like pretty deep though. I think one in this. You pulled all of those from level three, and we need like a one or a two. Um, who are you when you feel your very best? Mm. And 
I think when I feel my very best, it's twofold. I think it's either like best orgasm ever, feel like I've melted my ego, I'm expanded, I'm full of love, I'm like, like turned on. And I think another quality and aspect of my sensuality and my eros is actually like fully down like melted and merged with like the earth and the grass and so slow and an an intimate moment with my partner like very it's yeah both like the like woo all the way up in the heavens and then like all the way down back into the earth like the simplest like near a body of water sun on my face man by my side I don't need anything else for like the rest of my life. (laughs) Mm. Mm. I'll have some of that. (laughs) What about you, Joe? You know, I think for me, when I feel my very best, um, it's a little combination of that, but there's that moment where I have just peaceful presence with my two girls. And I feel my very best when my eldest and I are having a very like womanly conversation about the future, but just like open heart space. And I think, I think the reason why that feels really amazing for me is because that is what my younger self needed for my mom. And so I'm not only giving it to myself, but I'm also giving it to my daughter and she's giving that back to me. So it's one of those things where it's just Mm -hmm. like, the beautiful like cocktail of it. And I kind of feel at my very best in this moment of my life, um, knowing just like all the pieces of life are just really quite exquisitely beautiful and delicious. And it's taken a long seductive time to get here. Um, and it feels like a beautiful fur coat. So it's amazing. I fucking love that. It's like June and she was wearing her fur coat on our, on our recording yesterday. <laughs> She's like, I bought this yesterday. Do you love it? I was like, yeah, I do. I super love it. Um, when I feel my very best, when I feel my very best, I feel like there's, I'm, I'm literally on my own timetable. Like there is, I am not on anyone else's clock There is enough time in the day for everything that I want and need to do. There's this embodied sense of spaciousness. Like I just, I'm fully resourced. I have enough time for everything. I have enough patience for everything. I have enough, you know, presence with the people that I'm with. I feel like I'm able to both mother and pour into clients and, allow my erotic energy to be available, like to my partner. And it doesn't feel like anyone is taking too much from me. It feels very much like I'm giving out of that place of overflow instead of losing something, you know, I'm, I'm constantly taking in things and then putting them back out on people. And I feel very generous and like very abundant and very like, if, if, you know, I got this lunches on me for 12 was like an energetic feeling. Like that's kind of how I feel just like hanging out and being, just having this sense of just freedom and, and fluidity. 
Um, I know that's not like super specific, but I know like that, those are the qualities of me, like having my best day ever, or like having, you know, when I'm in the zone, that's how things feel. It feels like I got the cake energy. Yeah, it is. It is like that. <laughs> Although I got the cake energy is like that with sass on top of it. There's like that's a little true. bit of a, there's like a little shadow devilly part of, I got the cake energy, that's which, true. That's which true. I love. Yours is, yours is like a little more, more mellow. Em- Yours is like Empress energy. It's like yeah. just super commanding, which I think mm-hmm. is lovely. Lovely. I got okay, the cake one- is super commanding and also a little bit of fuck you. Whereas like in what I'm talking about, <laughs> that's I'm, I'm so calm that like, I don't have any fuck you in the field during mm. what I'm talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so this one's going to be really great for all of us because it'll help us to stay accountable for something. Mm. Okay. Um, and what promise do you want to keep to yourself this year? that I will be a devotee of love. I will meet the face of it in every form that it comes to be like, can you handle more? Can you open up to more? Can you let even more in? Um, I'm in a period of a lot of deepening with my partner and it feels like the big question is around commitment and that is opening up into a depth of love that I can feel like ripping me open. (laughs) And so the promise that I want to keep to myself is sort of my main mission in life forever is like the promise to stay on the path of love and becoming more of it to let it rip me apart and remake me and all of that (laughs) over and over and over. And it doesn't, I think that's so beautiful. It doesn't matter like what your partnership looks like, how long you've been in it. Like that is true of, of every formulation. Like it really is my husband of eight years. There's something that it's not eight years, it's five, but we've been together for eight. I was like, only five years married, but eight years together, loving and being cracked open. And there is, I just remember the first three years feeling like I can't be any more in love with this person. Like I, every single year, I legitimately love him more. And then somewhere around the fourth year, hitting this, like unearthing this ancient fear that I didn't even know that was there. Like, you felt like you were all in before, but that fear let you know that there's actually pieces of you that you still are holding back because if you give them literally everything and then it doesn't work out, you might die because you love them that much. And that shit keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. And every time you think you're there, there's more. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I feel so called out. It's year four. Girl. I had a feeling I was going to ask you how long you've been together. Cause that is, Ooh. And then if you ever decide to procreate, which it's a valid choice to, to not do that. But if you ever choose to do that, that's another layer of like, okay, if I thought that I was with you and I was vulnerable and I was totally committed, me deciding to now share the responsibility of another cosmic soul with you, like that is a level of commitment that I have not known until that moment. So, so many opportunities for deepening. They will always be there. And I just, I love your reflection on that. That's a beautiful promise to yourself. 
All right. I love I'm how both like y'all. <laughs> both of your offices. Call us anytime. Call. <laughs> we'll let you know what our office hours are. It's so funny because I feel just like Anne. I'm like, am I getting called out too right now? Because what I was working through in therapy this morning was a deep seated fear of my relationship. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Let me just tell you, it wow. doesn't ever go away. Just keeps just like the whole, you know, just the healing thing. Like it is, it's another way in which we're healing. Like being in partnership is a lifelong healing process for our heart and how we show up in relationship. And that person is just there to be your mirror and to provide container for that. And so it, yeah, it will keep happening. <laughs> yeah. That's really what you're committed to. It's not the person. It's the showing up to that painful mm -hmm. as fuck process that never actually ends. It has, yeah. you know, obviously there's enough bliss to get us through and keep us committed to a lifetime of this shit. So don't be scared off, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kristen? What's the promise that you are going to keep to yourself this year? Mm, mine is really simple. I promised myself that I was going to prove myself out as the breadwinner of my family this year so that mm. my husband can leave his corporate job. And so that is a promise that I fully intend to keep to myself and am keeping to myself every day. Mm. Mm. I think mine is to surrender deeper and deeper into my feminine mm. and to uh, really just be open to receiving and trusting the gifts that come and the abundance that's coming that it is uh worthy to be received and just that i like just fucking deserve it fully <laughs> so it's it's been a hard one though like it's it's all that trust it's all that surrendering to love it's surrendering to truth it's doing all the things that are fucking difficult and as much as it sounds so goddamn easy it's like not it's like the opposite of all of it especially <laughs> with like three badass women here who like uh -huh. know that they've got like shit on control like to surrender to that fully you're just like oof this is gonna be really hard <laughs> You're like so my yeah, feminine powers. Are, I scare myself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are going to be on speed dial when I'm freaking the fuck out. And yes, I will take the whole, like, not right now, but I'm holding you safely in this yeah. moment. as <laughs> a text. <laughs> Don't you love that? That's like a whole new level of maturity and friendship where your friend's like nine one one, this is urgent. And I'm like, I completely understand that. And I also am with people and I can't actually give you any space, even though it's urgent, but I will check on you in 1.5 hours to see how you're doing. Do you, who's your number two? Who are you calling? Number two. <laughs> who's, who's happening? Who's on the bench? Who's going to check in on you? Mm. Thank you so much, Anne, for being here. And thank you for sharing your wisdom, your brilliance, your radiance, your love, and just your laughter. You are, you are a cosmic sexy light and I am so grateful to be in your energy and in your presence. And I also want to call out this moment right now because it feels important. We, Joe and I are both sex coaches and we have, we have Anne, who is also a sexual empowerment coach on the show. And at this point in the show is when we will ask you to brag on yourself and promote your services. And I think that this is something that a lot of people would 
struggle with because we have been raised and conditioned in this scarcity mindset that there's not enough to go around. And that if we are promoting a sex coach on our show as sex coaches, that somehow we're like taking away business from ourselves. But what we all know and what we all believe fully is that first of all, there is an endless need for empowered, badass women in this world, stepping in their power, using their unique voice. And there are so many women out there who have different fucking needs. There are women who desperately need Joe. And there are women who desperately need things in the way that only I can deliver. And there are people listening to this right now who need Anne's medicine. So if you need Anne's medicine, Anne, I would love for you to share like where they can find you, how they can connect with you and how they can work with you and be loved on and mentored by you. Oh, I love that so much. I always think of it as the cosmic dream team. We're all on the same team, a thousand percent. So thank you. And you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at the Nguyen, and my website is also the Nguyen.com. And yeah, I'm opening up my, it's like a five or six month long um, sexual empowerment mentorship, group mentorship called School of Super Pleasure. It's going to be like my fifth time, maybe my sixth time running this program. And it is just one of my favorite things in the world. Um, So if you are wanting to join a community, you get to be in a room like the one that you just listened to. (laughs) (laughs) Then come check it out. And I also do a bunch of free classes and have other courses and one-on-one coaching. So you can find that all on my website. Incredible. And thank you so much for your wisdom and your heart and your courage. You're incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for being my friend and then introducing <laughs> your other friends. Of course. <laughs> We're totally oh, friends, yeah. Anne. <laughs> I won't make you work for it as hard as Joe did. <laughs> Thank you folks so much for listening. If this conversation tickled your fancy, opened your mind, or gave you permission to simply express yourself a little bit more authentically, share with a friend, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 